Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. We exist to bring you life-changing and life-giving content to help you on your lifelong journey with Jesus. To learn more about who we are, visit accesschurch.com. That's access spelled A-X-E-S-S. Let's jump right into it. One of my favorite topics to talk about is spiritual gifts. And so today I'm going to give you a little bit of insight on how we can pray for spiritual gifts in our lives. If you know anything about spiritual gifts or the Bible, you'll know that a key passage in Scripture about spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I like to say that what happened there wasn't good because the Corinthian church had some problems, and that's why Paul had to write the letter to address these problems. But with that being said, I'm actually thankful that they had those problems because we received Paul's theology, at least an aspect of Paul's theology on spiritual gifts, because of the problems that they had in Corinth. By the time that Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians, it was actually his second letter that we call 1 Corinthians, and what we call 2 Corinthians was his third letter to them. And we know this because in 1 Corinthians, Paul references a letter they had already received from him. Corinth was a Roman colony by the time that Paul was writing his letters to them. And Paul was writing from Ephesus at the time. Corinth was near a land bridge, which made it a cultural cross point for many travelers. And what this did is this brought culture into the city and it left culture in the city because As we know, many people will not just pass through, but some of them will actually end up staying. And so they bring their culture and they bring their influence with them to the city. So it was a it was a melting pot of culture. It was a Roman colony. And what we see is that Paul's biggest battle with the Corinthian church was separating the culture of their time from their new identity in Christ. The Corinthian church really struggled with separating their identity in Christ from the cultural and social ways of their time. One thing that we see is that social status was an important dynamic in the Corinthian lifestyle. And this value crept into the church, it crept into the body of Christ in Corinth, and it led to division, competition, among many other issues. So, Paul writes a letter, as Paul often did to address issues that he caught wind of. Among the issues that Paul was addressing was their use of spiritual gifts. We know that spiritual gifts were not unique to the Corinthian church. The reason why Paul writes to them about spiritual gifts is not because that's the only place he talked about spiritual gifts, but it's because they had an issue with spiritual gifts. Paul taught it everywhere, but he didn't have to correct it everywhere. He had to correct it in Corinth. They were being carnal with the supernatural things of God. They were valuing one gift above another and What I would like to say is I think they were valuing these gifts based on the wow factor of the gift or because of the social status that they thought it would bring to them by operating in this spiritual gifts. This is what I'm talking about when I say that they had a hard time separating the cultural norms and 
and things of the day from their new identity in Christ. They were taking spiritual gifts, but they were thinking in terms of how this could raise their social status in the eyes of other people. So they are being carnal with the supernatural gifts. So when Paul seeks to correct this, he says, let me teach you how to use those gifts properly. And this is important because many times I think our reaction is when there's a problem with something, we see parents do this a lot, when kids misbehave and misuse something, they take it away from them. They say, you've lost your right, you've lost your privilege to this because you didn't use it correctly. But Paul, he affirms the goodness of spiritual gifts. His his first step is not just to take it away. He says, no, these spiritual gifts are good. They are from God. We're not going to throw these away, but we are going to correct your use of them. And what he starts with is is he starts by correcting their motive behind the use of the gifts. He says gifts are meant to work in unity with other people's gifts. The Spirit enables the working of the gifts among you. You do not earn them. You don't do anything to receive these gifts. The Spirit gives them to you of His own free will. And gifts are best pursued with a heart of love towards other people. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. I believe what Paul was telling them was before you pray or pursue the gifts of the Spirit, first stop and pray for a heart of love. You see, love seeks the benefit of others over ourselves. Without love, Paul is saying that the gifts that you operate in actually become a paradox because the gifts are a good thing. But when you have the wrong motive, it ends up actually causing a bad thing. The Corinthians were lacking the love factor. They were lacking the motivation of love, and so it turned the spiritual gifts into something that actually was causing damage among them. It was causing division and pain and strife. But here's the beautiful thing, is that when we use love as the motive behind the gifts of the Spirit, now we have a powerful combination that becomes a wrecking ball that tears down the work of the enemy, not only in our lives, but also in the lives of the people around us. And that's what Paul desired for the Corinthians. He said, get the motive right. Get the motive of love right. Because when you get that part right, the gifts of the Spirit truly become something powerful and something beautiful. The other thing about love that's important is that when our motive is love, it actually chokes out worldly values. As I've already mentioned, Paul was wrestling with the worldly values that were seeping into the church, like division, competition, and pride. And his solution to remove these things was love. He didn't say, stop competing, stop being prideful, stop dividing yourselves. He actually says, if you just pursue a motive of love, a heart of love, then it will get rid of all those things. If you see love kind of like water, 
When we are immersed in love, there are things that are naturally choked out that cannot survive in love, like division, competition, pride, among many other things in life. When we have love, it naturally chokes those things out. We also follow the example of Jesus. Jesus, it was said multiple times in the Gospels, was moved by compassion. Compassion, from in a godly sense, leads us to spiritual action. So when we develop this motive of love, what it does is it ignites our compassion and it moves us to spiritual action, which is using spiritual gifts. Well, how can we develop this heart of love practically? Something that I noticed when I was looking at examples of compassion in Scripture is how often compassion is tied to how long you allow yourself to sit in it. When we take the time to look upon the people that are around us, it gives us the opportunity to actually consider the pain in their lives. It gives us time to consider the situation of their life. You see, compassion is getting on someone else's level and meeting them there so that you know where they're at so that you can pick them up once again. Compassion is birthed over time. I think of the story of John and Peter when they saw the lame beggar at the door of the temple at the beginning of the book of Acts. And it says explicitly that Peter looked upon him before he did anything else. And it was after he looked upon the state of the beggar that he then said, gold and silver I have not, but this I do stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. And then the man was healed. But what do we see before the miracle? What do we even see before uh, compassion was stirred in Peter's heart? We see that he took time to consider the state of the person that was before him. And this is how we really set ourselves up to be moved and stirred by compassion is when we take time to consider the people that are around us. Paul concludes his exhortation of having a heart and motive of love, and then he moves on to another topic, and we find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, one thing I want to point out that I think is really cool here is that right there he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. Did you notice that according to Paul, It's a natural thing to desire gifts of the Spirit. If you are truly following the way of love, which is what any Christian should do, we should desire gifts of the Spirit. Desiring spiritual gifts is actually an act of love. Just to desire it is an act of love. Many people would say, well, I don't don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit. And you know what? That's, That's okay. You will get there, I promise. But what that requires first is that you desire the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm going to touch on that a little bit more here as we move on. But Paul also says this, as we follow that, as we follow the way of love and as we desire the gifts of the Spirit, he says, 
desire specifically the gift of prophecy. Paul encourages them to pursue a specific gift in their desire. And this is something that I I want to give you today is pray for specific spiritual gifts. This is something that I don't think we do very often. I think we, from time to time, may throw a prayer up saying, God, would you use me in spiritual gifts? Or or, God, would you give me uh, new spiritual gifts? And that is a great prayer. I'm not putting that down. I would much rather that prayer than no prayer at all. But I think that we see something powerful here. And I think Paul is, is encouraging this, is that we pray for specific spiritual gifts when we come before God. We bring something specific before Him. At the time of this recording, we are a few weeks weeks away from Christmas in uh, 2022 here. And if I can liken this to uh, Christmas season, many of us have a list of gifts um, that we are asking for, that we want somebody to buy us for Christmas. And these gifts that we are seeing most likely are gifts that are relevant for today. Not many people are probably writing down they want a cassette player or they're You know, not writing something down that is dated or from years ago. They want something that is relevant to today. They want the gifts of today, not of yesterday. And in the same way, we ask for specific spiritual gifts because we want relevant spiritual gifts for today. We don't pray for spiritual gifts because of the wow factor, but we pray for them because of the now factor. And this is what Paul was really telling them when he said, pray especially for the gift of prophecy. It's not because prophecy in and of itself is a better gift than any of the other gifts, but in the situation that Paul was referring to, he was saying it is a greater gift in the situation, in the time, in the context that you are in. So pray specifically because because of the time that you are in. So we need to pray with strategy. We need to know the times and situations that we are in, not only in the body of Christ, but also in the world. And we need to pray specifically in response to that because we want to use God's gifts strategically. What's the most beneficial gift right now? What's the most edifying gift right now in this season, in this time of history? With that being said, I think that there's a few gifts that I would say are relevant and should be part of our specific prayer list in this time in history. One is this, I believe we need anointed peacemakers. We live in one of the most divided times in human history right now. Whether it's political divisions, cultural divisions, there's divisions in the church, there is a spirit, a demonic spirit of division and strife over this entire world right now. And what we need is to press in as the body of Christ because we need anointed peacemakers that are able to stand in the gap of division, bring people together in the name of Jesus Christ. We also need prophets and prophecy now more than ever. People are suffering with record numbers of anxiety, depression, feelings of not having purpose or any kind of destiny in life whatsoever. And the gift of prophecy is not just that of foretelling the future, but also of foretelling, of telling the truth 
over people, giving them the truth. And part of that truth is you have a plan and you have a purpose. And we need prophets and those with the gift of prophecy now more than ever to rise up, to be anointed by God, to speak truth over those who have believed lies. We also need the gift of mercy. Why? Because another thing that's happening is we are seeing an absolute pandemic of sin running rampant, not only in the world, but what's more concerning is that it's running rampant in the church. The church now is beginning to open their doors to sinful ways and sinful lifestyles and saying, It's all good. Come on in. We're not going to address your sin. We're going to ignore it. In fact, sometimes we're not even going to call it sin. And the reason why we need now more than ever the gift of mercy to be ignited within us and given to us by God is because we are going to have to be merciful when we confront these patterns and behaviors of sin, not only in the world, but also in the church. We can't do it with a heart of anger and hatred and offense, we need to do it in mercy just like God did it in mercy towards us. And the last thing is this, we are a charismatic Pentecostal church and so unashamedly I will put this one on the list, pray for the gift of tongues. Pray for the gift of tongues. Why? Because as Jude says, that when we pray in the Spirit, it stirs up our most holy faith. You see, our prayer language is an important gift that is given to us by God to build us up spiritually. And I could go on and on and on on the benefits of of spirituality praying in tongues and the gift of tongues. But for the sake of of this list, I just want to keep it short and say, pray for the gift of tongues. It is a relevant gift at all times. Another beautiful thing about the gifts of the Spirit is they are not just for us, but keep in mind, they are called gifts for a reason because gifts are something that you give to somebody else. If you hold on to it, is it really a gift? It becomes a gift when you pass it on and somebody else is blessed by it. And with that being said, gifts are also for the unbeliever. As much as gifts bless us in the church, they are also a blessing to those outside of the church when we use them properly. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25, Paul continues on and he says this, If an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. That is the dream, and it should be the dream, of any pastor or any church member anywhere in the world. That when somebody comes into our churches, that they would fall on their knees and say, God is among you. Well, how does that happen? It happens because they see something. They hear something. They are seeing and hearing the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, moving among us in such a way that their conclusion is the living God is here right now and he's doing something because I can see it and hear it. This happens, as Paul says, when we learn to walk in order with our gifts. The Corinthians, it seemed, because of their 
incorrect motives with their gifts. They were competing with their gifts. They had lack of order among them. I can only imagine what would happen if somebody was giving a prophetic word and in your spirit of competition, you thought, I have something better. What do you do? You just stand up and start speaking over them. You just stand up and interrupt them or interrupt the pastor because you think you have a greater revelation the pastor is is sharing at the time. That was the kind of disorder that was likely happening in Corinth. And Paul was reminding them that order is required because God is a God of order. The deeper meaning, though, is that order is an act of love towards the outsider as well. The order of our use of the spiritual gifts actually makes it possible for the outsider to encounter God and enter into a revelation of who God is because we use order in our use of the gifts. So I want to encourage you, if you are somebody who desires being used by God in the gifts of the Spirit, and maybe you're already being used by God in the gifts of the Spirit, and you know how God uses you, I would encourage you to grow in your understanding of what order looks like in those gifts. If you are one who believes you are called to uh, pray for healing over people, then learn how to approach those conversations. That's just one of many things that you can learn. But learn how to approach that conversation with somebody. What do you say to somebody in a store or on the street that you see is clearly... um, has some kind of infirmity or sickness and you are moved by compassion and you feel led to pray for them, do you know how to initiate that conversation? I mean, just learning how to do small stuff like that, I would put it under the category of walking in order in our gifts. And I believe Paul is affirming that order actually allows the unbeliever and gives opportunity for the unbeliever to know God through the spiritual gifts. Maybe you get a word of knowledge in church. Do you know who the appropriate person is to bring it to in order for it to be shared with the body of Christ? This is part of order. Get those routines down. Pastors, if you're listening, communicate with your church. Hey, if you sense the Spirit of God is speaking something to you for the body of Christ, this is how I want you to go about it. I want you to share it with this person or that person, or I want you to do this or do that. By having a sense of order, we make it easier for people to actually operate in the gifts in our church. If you're an evangelist, learn how to share the gospel in a multitude of ways. Grow in your gift. Grow in your craft. Recently, I went out uh, evangelizing with a couple people from my church, and I was starting off the, the conversations with people saying, is there anything you need prayer for? And what I noticed was happening from time to time is people would get really stumped by that question. They weren't really prepared to answer the question. And they would stop and think, and it kind of led to some lingering and stuff. And uh, one of the other guys said, you know, it might be better if instead of asking people if they need prayer for anything specifically, if we just say, can we pray for you? Because regardless if you have something or not, we're just asking, can we pray for you regardless? Maybe it's a prayer of blessing. Maybe it's a, you know, we get a prophetic word for them or whatever. And this is just a very small example of what it looks like to grow in your craft, to consider how to use spiritual gifts. Because as we do that, we actually become more efficient with those gifts. So just in recap, I want to leave you with these three things. Before you pray for the gifts of the Spirit, 
pray that you have a heart of love to operate in the gifts from. Also, pray for specific spiritual gifts. It's great to pray that God would use you and give you spiritual gifts, but I believe it's even more powerful when we are aware of the times and aware of what's happening and we rightly discern, God, use me with this specific gift because of what's happening right now. And lastly, pray that unbelievers would encounter the gifts among you and your church. And part of the way that we enable ourselves and prepare ourselves for this is by growing in our ability to operate in order. Be blessed as you pursue the gifts of the Spirit, and we will see you here again next week.